0: So if you could be here around nine, that would be great, Okay.
1: Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiancé, mmkay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season seven, episode 16 of Happily Ever After. In this last episode before the tell-all, Jovi finally lets Yara stay in Europe, Liz takes a new job but gets in an old fight with Ed, Angela finds out about Michael's shady online behavior, Usman and Kim have a sacrifice measuring contest. Bilal we'll offers Shida an unacceptable baby timeline. And we finally get to the family Libby group therapy session. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. If you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup, M-K, we'll be covering the new season of Love After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy.
0: Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H., How are you today?
1: I am not doing too bad, not doing too bad. I I know you are already on break and I'm getting closer to my break. So that's why you're editing late tonight and I'm not. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as much as I am on break, I still have to work. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. You got to make that money. Um, Yeah.
0: I had some meetings. So that's the reason why we're recording a little bit later than um, usual. Yeah.
1: Speaking of working and making that money, let's start with that and Liz. Ah, Look at that. All right, so we start with Ed taking the cover off of his Jeep and talking about his and Liz's relationship situation. So he still, she still hasn't made a decision about taking this partnership at the restaurant. And Ed is not shy about saying that he doesn't really want her working as much as he's going to have to to make that work. So he thinks that she's putting herself first and the relationship second. So he feels it's time that he does the same. Which brings us to how he's going to do that, which is meeting his mom at a different restaurant. So he hasn't seen her for a year. And the last time they met, it went very poorly, ending with mom saying that being with Liz was the worst choice he could make. So he's hoping that some time has passed, enough time that they can reconcile. So we switch to mom and she tells us that it's been a long and lonely time for her this past year. She still doesn't really think that Ed's relationship with Liz is really love and it's more like seduction. And she thinks it's Liz's fault that Ed has pushed everyone away. So she just wants everyone to be happy and tells him that she's been worried about him uh, before asking what's going on. So he says that he's mostly happy and isn't ready to get married to Liz, which Norma, that's his mom's name, thinks sounds like good news to her before she starts like loudly sobbing and telling him she's always there for him. So he spent all this time thinking that she was mad at him, but it seems like now she was just worried I wasn't mad. I was just worried. And she's open to reconnecting. So he asks if she wants to see Liz. And she's like, nah, we don't need that. That's okay. But uh, he has hope that one day she'll be ready to accept Liz. And so then she does this weird thing where she calls him a sheep. And he's like, mom, don't call me a sheep. And she's (laughs) like, but I'm your shepherd and you're my sheep and you are back, back in my flock. Anyway, so then Ed comes home to find Liz in the hot tub and he puts on his suit to join her. So she says that things have been weird since she got her offer at the restaurant. And she's nervous about him reconnecting with Norma because she's worried that she Norma will wear him down and convince him to break up with her. Because that's happened before. He says he really doesn't want to marry Liz without his mom's support, but acknowledges that it that support might never be there. So the next day, we see Liz leaving to talk to Chef about her partnership offer. She thinks that now that Norma is back in the picture, it's even more important that she be financially stable and independent because that means Ed could pretty much break up with her at any time. So she knows how Ed feels about it, but this decision needs to be for the, what's best for her and what's best for her daughter first. So she gets there and Chef fills her in with the details of what being a partner would entail. So she'd run the front house and there'd be like 10% sweat equity and it's the major pay raise and it sounds very nice. So we ask, what are the things that might hold her back from saying yes? And she says it's pretty much just her relationship with Ed that's making her hesitate. But she hopes that he'll stay by her side. So then she just accepts the position, saying it would be crazy if she didn't. And even tells Chef that he's the first person she ever felt like truly believed in her. Not a good sign when you have a partner, but okay. (laughs) She thinks that she made the right call, uh, but is nervous to tell Ed because they really didn't discuss her final answer beforehand. So she says she's putting herself first. And now the decision about what to do about that is his. Ball's in his court. So later on, they're enjoying a drink at home together. And Liz is being all weird and quiet because she's keeping something from him. He asks her what's going on with Encantro, which is the name of the restaurant. And she's really going to tell him now, even even if it means he might break up with her. So it takes her a while to get it out. But she tells him that she accepted the position. He says he has mixed feelings about it. He wants her to have her independence But thought that this was something that, you know, kind of deserved much more discussion before she accepted. He tells her that he's a little bit bothered, but she shouldn't let that hold her back. She should go for it, which is a much better uh, reaction than the hissy fit her words she was expecting. (laughs) He he says that she, she says that she's proud of herself. And long term, this is a good thing for both of them. She wants to contribute to their future. So, and then she gets kind of around to speaking of our future... uh. What's up with this marriage stuff? Discussing marriage in the future. And he says, I'm not ready to give you an answer on that. And this is especially true after his conversation with his mom. He says he's not ready. And he thinks if they push forward with getting married now. A divorce would be inevitable. So when he keeps the conversation, she keeps the conversation going. He just kind of like backs into a corner and says, I will not be pressured into marriage. Then there's a bunch of cutting each other off until this says, I think it was my favorite quote. heard all this. Will you shut up so I can explain that I hear you? <laughs> which is, She does apologize for telling him to shut up, which is the opposite of being heard. But she does figure out, yeah, I guess she knows that sounds really dumb. So she have calms down a little bit. But at the end of the conversation, he says he's just not ready to get married and can't give her an answer as to when he will be. So now she's the one throwing the hissy fit and gets up and slams the door as she walks off. All right. So, I mean, this doesn't seem to me. It seems to me it's a much bigger difference of expectations than just a timeline issue, which is kind of what I don't know if she's making it seem like that or he is. But it just seems like they might want different things from this relationship. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Like just knowing Ed the way that we know him, I really feel that his motivation of asking Liz to marry him was wasn't because he wanted to get married. It's because he felt insecure, you know, Mm -hmm. and he felt like he had to lock it down. He felt like he wanted to hear that she was committing to him, but for whatever reason, he's not ready to commit fully to her, you know? And it just kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I actually was engaged when I was in college and my college boyfriend actually proposed to me after he found out someone else was interested in me
1: and Mm. it was because
0: he had this fear that he would lose me and so his reaction was gotta lock it down you know but when it really came down to like well are we gonna set a date like what's happening like we never set a date we never made a single plan to move towards actually getting married it was just like you know, his contribution was he bought a ring, but he really just wanted reassurance that I wasn't going to leave him. And I feel like that's what this is. You know, Ed wants reassurance that Liz isn't going to leave him. That's what that engagement was about.
1: Yeah. So I think it's just only a fun- fundamental difference as to what I think an engagement is than what yes. maybe Ed thinks an engagement is. <laughs> Right.
0: Right. And I think to him, it's just like, oh, a commitment that this person can't leave you. It's like almost like the next level of being trapped almost.
1: Yeah. It's like it's a he sees it as a escalation of a relationship commitment Mm -hmm. that is just a different level than marriage. Whereas, I mean, I fundamentally don't see it that way. I fundamentally see it. If you ask someone to marry you, you are telling them that you are ready to get married. (laughs) That's yes, the, that's I what mean, it means. Yeah.
0: I think that means that for almost everyone, except for the people that propose because they're really just trying to like lock it down without really being married.
1: I mean, I definitely think there's, they're not, I think they're rarer, but I definitely have seen people that are like that, that is kind of like, well, you know, we got engaged and then and never. And that's enough. Yeah. And that's yeah. enough.
0: That's enough of a commitment. Yeah, because it is. It's like almost like, oh, well, it just means that I'm extra committed to you, but we don't actually have to get married or anything Yeah, we're not going to plan
1: anything or do anything. Just have those like years and years and years and long engagements. This is my fiance. They've been my fiance for five years, you know, like kind of thing.
0: But the only thing that confuses me about that is why on earth would you have an engagement two engagement parties if that's how you view things? Because. You know, we acknowledge like why Ed feels that way, but that's not the norm, you know. And so most people now that they know that they've had an engagement party, they're going to keep on asking. So have you set a date? How's wedding planning going? You know, and it's just going to be a constant barrage of questions. Anytime you hang out with anyone who has any knowledge of you all being engaged, it's like, why are you subjecting yourself to that?
1: Right. You end up at a certain point, did I miss the save the date? Because I totally <laughs> yeah. would have expected I got it by now. Maybe it didn't right, get
0: here. Right. Like maybe I was not invited. What a terrible <laughs> friend you are. Okay. Weird
1: to be invited to the engagement party, but not to the wedding. Right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> unless, exactly. I guess unless you were the person that started a fight with Liz, that person probably oh, gosh, is not coming yes. to the wedding.
0: Then, that yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, I definitely think that they are not – on the same page. And honestly, I think it's pretty fucked up of Ed to propose if he's not ready because yes. it do- It just seems like he's jumping in just so he can level up their relationship without actually leveling up their relationship.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I, I, it just doesn't match what he says. He's like, oh, you know, I'm really yeah. committed to this relationship and I really want to no. make this work. And I, I'm in this for forever. And it's like, okay, then get married. Like everything you yeah, just exactly. said is marriage. Like, what are you even talking about? And so I, it doesn't – and I get where her frustration comes from that. It's like, what do you even mean yeah. you're not ready to get married? You're telling me you want to move into – you'll readily move to a different city to me. We'll make it work through all my job. We'll contribute together. We'll be a, a unit but not married? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah.
0: yeah. It it makes no sense, especially because, you know, she wasn't the one clamoring to get married to Ed. Like, she was asked. So it yes. wasn't even coming from her. She didn't give him an ultimatum. He asked her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's true.
0: No sense. That's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk about Yara and Jovi. So Myla, Jovi and Yara are all hanging out in their hotel room on Jovi's last day. Jovi wants to go do something fun on his last day. And Yara seems like she's in a mood, but she agrees that they should have fun. Jovi says that Yara's uh, saying she's been miserable in America was a wake up call to him. Jovi asks if she's had fun on this trip, and Yara says, other than the fighting, yes, she's had fun. She feels torn about leaving, seeing how strongly Jovi feels about her going back. Myla is toddling around, and everyone's having a good laugh, uh, and Jovi says that he doesn't want Yara to be miserable and thinks maybe he's been too hard on her. Jovi tells her he understands her point of view, and he doesn't want to argue. He also admits that maybe he was wrong as he apologizes and hugs Yara. Myla is rolling around in the dirt while Yara says that she wants to stay. Jovi admits that he might have been selfish. Yara says that she never wants him to leave for work, but, you know, she accepts it, so maybe he should accept her being there. Jovi says he will be okay with it, but he wants her to be safe and have an exit plan. Jovi hopes that by letting her stay in Europe, she will be open to other things that he wants, like having another baby. The next day, Jovi is packing up to leave without Yara and Mila. Yara is concerned that Jovi won't trust that she will come back. Yara says she doesn't know when she'll come back. And Jovi says he wants to know before he leaves because how will he know she will be there when he's off of work? Jovi says goodbye to Yara's mom and Olga thanks him for coming and letting Yara stay. Mila reaches for Jovi and doesn't want him to leave. Everyone cries as Jovi's getting ready to leave and Mila crams her hand in Jovi's eye. <laughs> Yara says that if Jovi treats her equally, then that will make her want to come back and stay in this marriage. All right. So Jovi, I think it's pretty reasonable for Jovi to say, hey, uh, I want you to tell me when you are coming back before I leave. But he's coming. He was leaving that day. So it's like he never really got an answer. So what's up with that?
1: I don't know. I think. I don't know. This just uh, something about the way this whole scene and this whole episode went down this time made me think mm-hmm. like, this is fake. fake. They knew exactly <laughs> when she was coming. They had already planned exactly when she was going to st- how long she was going to stay. The three months or two months or whatever after she le- after he yeah. leaves, she's going to go back. And it's like it just it made the entire season feel like such a waste. <laughs> it was it like, kind of fake. They already knew yeah. all this.
0: I feel like, yes, it seemed really fake to me how quickly and how different his attitude was uh, b- uh, between now and the episode before, which was supposed to be the day before. Right. Where he's demanding she come back to the U.S. and the next day he like apologized. I don't know. I guess. I I mean, there are some people that are like that, that like, you know, play hard and then they realize, ooh, I was pretty aggressive and I was also wrong. And also wrong. Yeah yeah and they try to backtrack after that you know so i guess there is that out there but i don't know it just seems like it was such a contrast to what we saw jovi demanding before
1: and it just i mean it it... It seems kind of as as much of a, you know, dickhead as he can be from time to time mm-hmm. in previous seasons when he's drinking and everything. It did seem pretty out of his character to be like, you know what? I want my wife when I'm not home to sit at home alone and do nothing and just wait for right. me and not be with her mom. Yeah. Like that doesn't seem in his character that he was doing this that whole time. Right. It, just, it doesn't right, make any right. logical sense that she would have to come back just for him to leave for three months and leave her alone yeah. at the house. It never made any sense.
0: No, it didn't make any sense. Just so she would be there waiting, and so I I feel like the compromise would be, yeah, you can stay here, but you need to come back before I'm home.
1: Yes, that just seems like that seems like a reasonable, obvious, reasonable thing to do. I know for everybody, and so it just seems like that's what they had already had planned, and they just brought Talmadge in to be like, oh, you know, your vows and uh, family comes first.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Pot stir for sure. (laughs) Yeah. The planted pot stir.
1: Yeah. I mean, but the the thing was that I do, I did feel at the end for Myla because she doesn't know any of this. Like, she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't know where she is. But she's
0: got (laughs) to be used to him leaving by now, right? Because he's like, he's home for a month. He's gone for a couple months, home for a month. Yeah. I mean, this is no news, Yeah, she's used to
1: dad leaving for about the same amount of time he's going to be gone for now. Like, he's literally going to work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. So, yeah.
1: Yep. So, all right. Let me get two of my... I had two because I have four this time. Let me get my two shorter ones. let right. start with Angela. All right. So, Angela. Oh, she's back in Georgia and sadly sitting in a folding chair in the backyard. And she starts crying and production asks her why. So, she says that things were good when she got back um, to the States until her friend Sydney told her that Michael is cheating on her online. So... I took this with a grain of salt at first, but it seems like he met some 31 year old woman on Instagram and they've been talking for two months, even through her whole visit in Nigeria and what she thought of as the good times when she got back to the States. So she says she has screen notes, screenshots and a voice note where, okay, this is pretty legit. He does tell the woman, I love you and I miss you and then makes kissing noises into the phone. So it's a little more damning than the my person thing we saw before. So, uh. She also shares the, the screenshots, which pretty much look like him trying to line something up with this woman once Angela finally breaks up with him. Like, there's things mm-hmm. be like, I'll make it work. It's OK. Listen, she's here to break up with me. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and but of course, Angela is most devastated that it includes a heart emoji. So she says she doesn't deserve any of this citation needed because she was open about her crush. It was right out front. And Michael did this all behind her back. So she says she has confronted Michael about it and he tries to play it off like he was just lying – he was lying to this other girl. He just was bored and was playing with her. He didn't need any of this stuff. He was lying to her, not to not to Angela. So she says that she blames herself because she knows she can be a bit of a bitch. But she's – she's not controlling for no reason at all. She knew he couldn't handle having an Instagram. So she doesn't know what she's going to do. She said always said that if, she, if he cheated, she'd break up with him. But she really doesn't know uh, – What to do now because she says she loves him. She doesn't really doesn't want to break up with him. Um, So I guess my question is, why is Michael such a dumbass?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out like his whole motivation. Like if he had such an easy out with Angela because she was like basically in the process of destroying their relationship via like his car.
1: first right? right
0: um it's like she's already there to break up with you why are you trying so hard to salvage this is it really because of the visa because like what do you do you can't just come over on a visa when this person is trying to divorce you you think you can just stay in this country while she's actively trying to divorce you like i don't really understand like what he's trying to do like you still have to live with this woman so if you've accepted like okay i'm trying to get this visa i'm gonna be married to this woman then it's like why are you trying to pick up side chicks in the process
1: yeah that's i I don't get it and it's like and and i i think it's dumb that she blames the instagram because if he just is that kind of person he can't avoid picking up side he he has women slide into his dms and he just can't can't Avoid it. He just he can't be helped. If somebody slides into his DMs, he's going to start flirting with them and start, you know, doing inappropriate stuff. And mm-hmm. granted, this time, the stuff that was seen and said was clearly inappropriate for someone in a relationship. Yeah. Um, yes. And. But if he's going to do that, then when he goes to the States and people see him in the street, like and people know him, he's going to get the same kind. He's going to get real life DMs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. So if he can't handle that, then you. If you can't trust him, you can't trust it. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. And at the right, end, that's right. what she has to. If you can't trust him, you have to break up with them.
0: Yeah, and it's like all these women. I mean, we'll get to Kim too, where it's like they have these, you know, deal breakers, lines in the sand that they, you know, envision that they say out loud. But when push comes to shove, that's not really the line. Oh, but I love them. Like, so I will make special allowances for these people. And I feel like that's Angela, too. Like, I will not accept any man who's going to cheat on me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my man cheated on me. Well, but I Oh, it's just like, oh, you know, just don't act like such a hard ass when you really aren't. You're really a softie.
1: Right. I mean, it is more like people need to do take people definitely need to kind of go through. Even follow through or be honest with yourself beforehand. Like, I don't know what yes, I would do if they cheated on me. honest with yourself. Right? Sure. I don't know because I might not want to break up with them. Like, and then, so, yeah, don't, don't, it's the, it's the both ways thing. It's acting like, nope, yeah. this is a hard line. I will not cross it. And then as soon as they get there, as soon as it's time to cross it, they're like,
0: well, you know. Yeah, I don't know about that.
1: Yeah. And don't say it's a hard line.
0: Right. And that's why I feel like people need to be better about, like, ultimatums too, right? Because this yeah. is, like, kind of in the same along the same lines. Like, people give these ultimatums. They draw a line in the sand. And then when push comes to shove, the other person doesn't meet their end of the ultimatum. It's like, oh, I guess I'll still stay with you because I love you. It's like, well, then don't give an ultimatum if you're not prepared to walk away. Don't say that this is a deal breaker if you're not prepared to, you know, yeah. walk away. The deal has been broken. You know, it's... It's like, I don't understand why people make these bold statements if they're not willing to back it up.
1: Right. And it, to me, that is a it's a form of deception and, and, and lying. And it's one mm-hmm. that ends up being kind of a weird, unusual case where it's a lie that hurts you more than it hurts the other person.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Because they're happy. They've right. they, they've given up. Nothing. And
1: they know next time when you make that threat and you say, this is it, exactly. I'll stand for that. They know. Yeah. They'll. Yep. And we've seen that. We don't see that with Michael as much. Um, right. We definitely see it. The other one you mentioned, Kim and Usman, that happens all the time. It's like, it, but that's yeah. him and everybody. It's like, they'll change. They, they'll they'll bend for me. That's fine. I'll just keep pushing right. at it. They'll, they'll, they'll be the ones yeah. who change. Um, but she has, yeah, she's done a lot of, been through a lot of things. Angela even has where it's like, I'll break up with you. Now, the part where she didn't deserve all this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, no one deserves that kind of heartbreak, but at the same time, you know, it's like, well, if we were to line up some people and say who deserves it the most of this group,
1: yeah, like, mm. <laughs> and that's the thing. If you if if you feel like you need to be controlling in the relationship, then it's not a healthy right. relationship. It's going to work, and you have to recognize that. And being trying to get your way, but through force and violence, which is what Angela does, is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's when I'm sliding up on who deserves to be, who deserves their relationship to fall apart in a, in a bad way. It's like maybe the person who tried to keep their relationship through the threat of force and violence. Like maybe that oh God, yeah. Maybe that person might be higher up on the line. Yeah, that's never good. All right. So the other ones that were relatively short for me were Bilal and Shida. So they're still in New York and they're not enjoying the giant sp- soft street pretzel at all. Um, he ended up taking three <laughs> well, bites it. ends of it. up
0: in the trash, yes, doesn't it? Yes, it does end up in the trash. <laughs> um,
1: although I feel like my daughter is definitely scar- scarfed down the New York street pretzels. Um, but <laughs> yeah. anyway, he takes her to the Brooklyn Bridge in the dark. And he's hoping that this time this will be a chance for them to connect once more before they go back to Kansas City because this trip has not gone down like he hoped it would um, because all they've talked about is these kids, this baby thing. So Shida is scared now that she's confronted Bilal that this whole children conversation could tear down her whole marriage. Crazy how when you make an ultimatum, it sounds it, – it, it comes down to that, huh? So he asked kind of, well, what was going on at that helicopter ride? You know, she said that this and, and him are everything she ever wanted. This trip to New York, this lovely helicopter ride, you know, this man that she's into. But – and then at that point, he's like, why do I feel like you're breaking up with me? This sounds – there's going to be something bad coming. So she says she can't hold back any longer about speaking her mind about the children, and she's always disappointed that he has nothing to say when it comes to, when it comes to the conversation. But he kind of sees things differently. He thinks that he always does have things to say. She just doesn't listen to them. So he reiterates basically the same thing he's been saying this whole time. He wants to have some time with just the two of them so they can build a better, more solid foundation before they add kids into the relationship. So he does to kind of answer her question from last time is give me a timeline, throws out a timeline. How about a year or a year and a half, right? And he says maybe it's selfish, but he wants just at least to have some time with her, that kind of time for with her, just her for a little bit. But she says, well, that's not for me. I'm running out of time. And at least, well, she's definitely running out of time when she has that kind of, conception of how fertility works in her head which is if you try when you're 39 you will definitely get pregnant and if you try when you're 40 it is impossible to have children <laughs> um so Bilal says he's trying she's trying to do what she's asking she literally asked for a timeline last time and he's doing above and beyond doing all this stuff for her, and it's never good enough again like right now how she gave him an ultimatum of give me a time frame and he gave her a time frame and it's not good enough so he then he dramatically throws the pretzel in the trash. This is where it goes, you know, <laughs> some symbolism I think going on there. And she says that the baby conversation is psychological torture. She wonders what'll do if something else happens. What they will do if something else happens with her fertility and, you know, something goes wrong and she can't have children, then isn't her entire time with Bilal just a waste of time? For his part, he feels like he just can't win. And if they do have children, that de- that dynamic of her always Wanting something and feeling like he's not doing enough to give it to her um, isn't going to change. It'll just be something different than babies next time, and it'll be just something else that he's not doing good enough to make her happy. All right, so I guess my question was: she said that the ba- the baby conversation was psychological torture. So, mm-hmm. who's being psychologically tortured by this baby conversation? Because I don't, I'm not sure who she was referring to. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, actually, that's a good question. I assumed she was referring to herself, right? right? Uh, because I do kind of feel like he's playing games, you know, like he keeps on saying, I answered your question. And it's like, well, yes and no. You answered the question in a way that she did not agree with. So your answer is not the final say, even though it may be your final opinion, but you haven't really said that. And so it's like this conversation is supposed to be a negotiation, but it's not a negotiation. And so it is because to her, it feels like even though he threw out an answer, she doesn't like the answer. So she's like continuing this conversation and it's it's hard on her. Right. That's what she's basically trying to say. This conversation is hard on her because there is no resolution. But he seems to think there is resolution. I told you six years. (laughs) That's the resolution. Like, right? because like, no, what she, it's because, not good enough.
1: Because that's what she asked for, right? And it's right. like – because she doesn't try to – the way she engages in the conversation is never – she's never like, well, OK, let's come to a compromise. Let's figure out something we can both be on board with. It's always mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, you're just psychologically torturing me and not giving me any answers. And he's like, we well, mm-hmm. gave you answers and we can discuss it. But you can't sit there and lie and say I didn't say anything or I didn't discuss it or we didn't have this conversation before, Right. And that's, yeah. that's the part is every time he gives her, he says something to her or she just says, you refuse to talk about it. He was like, I mean, you can't say uh, when you watch this whole season, you cannot say he refused to talk about it. He talked about it every time she brought it up. There have
0: a couple times where he's just like trying to change the subject, doesn't really answer her. Like, this is the first we've really heard him say, at least this season, a time. Right. Before we know that he wanted to wait six years. That's why I like threw that out there. Right. He was like, oh, like in four to six years or something. That's what he said before. This year, they especially since the fertility doctor, he has not said. And that's why she keeps on asking.
1: Well, yes. But the other thing and that's where specifically in this episode, she asked him for a timeline. Right. And he gave her a timeline she didn't like. And so she said, you didn't give me a timeline. And it's like, but I, but I did give you a timeline. We just didn't like the timeline. And she should have never right, asked him right. for a timeline because that's not what she wanted from him, a timeline. She had her own timeline yeah. that she wanted him to agree to. So that's where the conversation yeah. needed to be, not on you just won't give me a time. And it's like.
0: I Yeah. I think if they wanted to have a more productive conversation, she needs to. I think she's scared to tell him exactly what she wants. Right. Um, So she should say, I want this now, you know, and, you know, until we come to a resolution that I'm happy with, we can't move on. Because that's the other thing that, you know, he keeps on throwing in as part of the argument. You know, she says, I want this now. Well, I'm giving you everything else you want. It's like, okay, first of all, let's back up. Arya, like... We saw you trying to weasel out of this yoga studio situation, That's right? True too. So yeah. it's like but he keeps on thinking like he's giving her everything she wants except for a baby. So why no, is he? he's it giving her everything happy? he
1: would want. Like he's giving right, her all the magical exactly. all the magical like romantic experiences, weekends romantic away. weekends yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, right. But yeah, I mean it it they're just they're they're having the conversation on completely different wavelengths. And so because I feel like he feels like it's psychological torture because every time he thinks it's either resolved or put on the back burner or something else, he turns around and she's saying the same thing. We literally just talked about that. Like, I I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Right. That's what that's where he's at. And she just has a particular plan that he wants. She wants him to agree to without like. Saying what the plan is, but she also won't move. I feel like if they just said, and he goes a year, and she's like, well, you know, a year seems like too long for me. And she won't throw out, like, how about six months? Right. <laughs> or how about eight months?
0: Well, and it's like, that's the other thing that I'm confused about with this timeline. And I feel like something that they should also clear up as well. You know, is it a year that you start trying? Because then the baby doesn't come for another nine months. Yes. Right. So it's not like instantaneous. Hey, we have a child. So, I mean, like, why couldn't they try in six months? Because then that means a year and a half from now, they'll have a child. Right. It just
1: it. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's it's crazy. It's in like any style of negotiation because she, she
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's at how about 18 months? And he she's like, how about zero months? How about now? Yeah. Right. And, like, at no point are they, like, splitting the difference on the dates. They're both just like, well, right. you're just being stubborn and refuse to compromise, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, nobody meets well, in the middle.
0: Well, because that's the other thing, too. It is kind of a gamble. Like, just because you start in six months, let's say, doesn't guarantee that nine months from then you'll have a child. It could be that you're trying for over a year. Nothing's guaranteed. You know? but and sh- then – Right, and then another nine months. So it's like by the time you have this kid, it could be four years from now. Right,
1: but it also does drive me nuts the way she says that like her fertility works, or it's like, yeah, but by the time, but if we wait a year and it's eighteen months, and then it doesn't happen in three months, then I'm forty, and it's impossible. Then it's just locked out, no, pro, no chance. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like if she's, however old she is now, like she's kind of, her fertility's already dramatically declined, right? Yeah. And it's 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 not like if you wait six months, you know, obviously it gets harder. The longer longer you wait, the longer you wait, longer you wait. But she's also like, you know, what are the chances she got pregnant in those six months anyway, whether they tried or not. Right are, right, are right. might be pretty slim. And it's not like she's like she keeps saying 5% after I'm 40. Well, like, well, when you're 39, it's 6%. So we're not talking about something right. that's a dramatic, really, like, decrease. She acts like right. it's like a guarantee if we try when I'm 39 and when I get to 40, 5%. That's it. No chance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This, I, I don't know. I just feel like this isn't something they're going to resolve until someone's willing to really make a sacrifice Whether it's to leave the relationship or not, you know? Well, and
1: that's the thing, too, is it's one of those situations and we see one of those the same kind of situation. I'm going to kind of bring it up later where it's like somebody you can't both sacrifice evenly almost unless Mm -hmm. I guess they could split the dates, like I said. But like one person, it's a kind of a zero sum sacrifice, right? You either wait the 18 months or you don't. And it's not like we can, well, I gave up a little, you gave up a little, and we met in the middle. Like, it's like, no, we either waited the 18 months or we didn't, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that uh, uh, argument that keeps on coming up, who's sacrificing more is with Kim and Usman. So Kim, Usman, Jamal, Mahadi, and Mahadi's parents all go to an amusement park so Kim can bond with Mahadi. She is trying hard to get Mahadi to like her, and he seems to warm up as soon as the high fives get involved. Usman wants Mahadi to be able to go to school, unlike everyone else in his family. They sit down and Muhammad wants to talk about the adoption. Muhammad says having a Western education could be beneficial, but they still need to discuss it among themselves. Muhammad is concerned about the cultural and religious differences in the U.S. Mahadi's mom doesn't like the idea of him being so far away. Kim says a decision doesn't need to be made now because they're talking about years from now, but Usman says it will happen as soon as they get married. Kim tells Usman there's a process and it's going to take a while. Later, Kim goes to talk with Jamal as he is packing up to leave and he's leaving before Kim is. She asks what he thought of Usman and Jamal says he's not terrible, but he's not convinced. Kim asks what he likes about them, and Jamal says that they seem to be very comfortable with one another, but he has a lot of questions about their future. Like the adoption. Jamal thinks it's a red flag. Uzman stops by with a cappuccino. Uzman thanks Jamal for being there and thinks that they are like one big happy family. Uzman even calls Jamal stepson, but at Kim's prompting. Now that Jamal is gone, Kim wants to figure out the adoption and the wedding. Kim thinks Usman doesn't take her concerns seriously. Then we then come back to a crying and upset Kim and Usman is apologizing to her. Usman tells us that he was packing up and he was commenting about the cleanliness of the room, which then led to his comments about Kim needing to lose weight and getting a tummy tuck. Kim is feeling disrespected and Usman says he was just kidding around. Kim then turns around and asks what he's doing for her. Kim cries and says that she feels like she's not good enough. Usman is tired of the conversation and tries to get her to stop, but she says that she's a grown-ass woman and she can say whatever she wants. Usman says that he's the one adopting Mahadi and not her. Kim says she is sacrificing and Usman tells her not to do it then. Usman says that the adoption is for her because it means that he doesn't have to get a second wife. Usman then says that no one in his region would ever be with her. Kim says she's not heard in the relationship, and it's disgusting. Uzman takes a call in the middle of a conversation, and Kim, that's it. She's done, and she locks herself in the bathroom. Kim gave him back his ring. Uh, Kim says, let one of his DM bitches get him. Uzman says that she doesn't get the sacrifices he's made to be in this relationship, and he thinks that they just won't ever have peace later kim comes back and says that she doesn't want things to end but she doesn't want to be anyone's favor either usman agrees it should be over and kim runs out sobbing usman thinks that kim acts immature and it looks their relationship looks too unhealthy for him to move on Kim doesn't want to be anyone's favor, and she also doesn't want to be torn down anymore. They exchange a few texts where Usman basically says that she'll never do any better than him. All right. So based on what you've heard, who do you think is making more sacrifices in this relationship?
1: I actually think that's the crux of what we're talking about, is that neither of them have really sacrificed yes. anything yet. Neither of them have.
0: No, this is all projected in the future. Right. right.
1: And so the argument is over. Who is making more sacrifices, right? Who will be making more sure. sacrifices? But they frame it as who has already made more sacrifices, right? So I'm sure well, it costs her that money. Usman
0: get... clearly for uh, oh yeah,
1: because he's, he's dating her, a right? fat uggo, so he has made all the yeah, sacrifices exactly. that no one else in my region. He got to stop talking about my region, my region, my region, my region. I like, know. It, okay. Yeah. Yay! I'm the most famous rapper Good in my region. For you. Like. I need, a, I need a bigger def- definition of your region or whatever. But, like, no one in my region would date you. Like, only I would do yeah. this. Only I would settle for such a gross-looking person. Like, uh,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah, who needs a tummy tuck. And yeah. yeah. So,
1: besides, yes, his willingness to date, which isn't, again, like, we've discussed before,
0: doesn't it's get to count. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a
1: sacrifice. Like, you don't get to say, I'm dating down, so you have to make all the sacrifices, which is what the argument right. is. Right.
0: Oh, my goodness, yeah. Um,
1: and... So when you look at the actual sacrifices they've made, is none of them have? Neither of them have really made other any meaningful sacrifices yet. Like she's spent the money to right. come back to Africa and stuff, and sure. you know he took her, he took the risk to take it to his mom or whatever. But we're deciding whether is he going to give up a second wife or is she going to have to put up with it? Is he going to adopt this baby as a as a substitute for that, or is she going to raise the baby? So whichever one they do, you can't compromise on those, right? If he adopts the baby, somebody makes a sacrifice and somebody doesn't. I don't think it's on the table anyway. So I think it's dumb that they're arguing on that because it seems like his mom has no intention of giving this baby (laughs) to Usman. No. At all.
0: Definitely not. And I keep saying baby when
1: it's a small child. Like it's a
0: child. Right. Right. This kid is three or four years old. We kind of unsure about the age. But yeah. And like Kim brings up a good point, like. That's great. They get married like, well, OK, I, I guess they're going to do the uh, fiancé visa. So they got to wait for that visa to go through. Then he comes over. Then they get married. Then they can bring over this child. It's like, yeah, it could be a year from now that this happens. Yeah, I, I would say mid. I don't even know
1: how you I don't even know how you sponsor your spouse's children like even if they – when the adoption goes through and let alone if they find out that the adoption didn't go through until after you were married, that's going to throw up red flags right. with immigration. Like it's not going to be an easy visa yeah. to get for this kid. Um to bring him over. right
0: so you got years and so it's just like oh goodness this is just uh, yeah it just seems like the timing like go for the baby baby right <laughs> they clearly have a brother
1: yeah it's it's
0: go for the baby baby it, it, it
1: is just and, and Usman's just attitude of oh I just when I decide it's gonna happen it's gonna happen immediately I'm like obviously right. why 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 would it take why would it take time that doesn't make any sense right he's just so he's so yeah. entitled all the time like
0: he does have a very different attitude depending on like his mood, I guess. Yes. Sometimes he can be very sweet to her, and then sometimes he's just like so rude. Like, how do you even put up with this?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and I, I granted that we didn't see it, but that's probably how the fight started. Is he comes in in a bad mood and he's like, right. and he just yells at her about clean this up. You're fat. You're ugly. You should be cleaning this shit, right? And then she gets right. mad at him, and he's like, I don't know why she's so mad. She's. Like, Shh. And then he has that yeah, that that attitude of, and it always ends up with him, not saying it out loud, but implying that she's Mm. too ugly for him. That's where it always ends. Yeah,
0: and that's what I don't understand is like it does sound like he has these like outbursts, right? And this isn't all the time, and it's like people like justify that they're like, oh well, he really loves me. It's like yeah, oh, you
1: said that, that fights like yeah.
0: Right. If they show this ugly side to themselves and it's just like she says she's like, I'm tired of like feeling like I'm not enough. And, you know, these are like legitimate feelings. Like, why are you dealing with this? And this kind of goes back to what we were saying about. I don't understand why you've, you know, put this line in the sand. I'm not going to let anyone treat me like this. Oh, but I love him. I know he loves me, you know, and then all of a sudden you're accepting of this behavior that you said was unacceptable before. Well, it's just like people
1: get in the fights and it's part of a fight I don't understand is I've heard so many people say it. But like, oh, you know, we both said things we didn't mean. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. I, don't, I, I Yeah. that I don't get that. that's not a thing that I do. It's not a thing that I would react well to. I would, I assume if you say something and mean in a fight, then you meant it. Right? And if you try to tell right, me later you right. don't meant it, I'll be like, "No, I feel like that's what you really meant, and now is when you're lying to me." Yeah. That's the way my that's the way yeah. I would I would process that. Um and I mean I would say of all the things that was bad about him, to his credit at least, like somebody's finally got to be like, well, she came back and she came back. So, I've never seen – we knew she was going to go back, right? There was 100% yeah, – I course. didn't know that she was going to go back that fast. Like there was 100% right, certainty right. she was going to go back and be like, I didn't mean to give you the ring. But at least this time he was like, what the hell is that? I can't – I'm not going to sit here and have you keep giving me this ring back, right? You gave it to me that last time. Yeah, he's he changes right, too. Right, but we've
0: also seen him turn around like almost immediately and be like, "Oh crap, I'm on the show. We got more episodes." Well, they don't have more we episodes go back now. And make
1: up. There's the last one before yeah, the talk. Exactly. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of funny because they certainly have been acting like they've still been together on social media. Sure. So it will be interesting to see if they really are broken up or not, because they have definitely defended their relationship like, oh, yeah, we're still together. I don't know why everyone thinks we're broken up.
1: Yeah. I wonder why. Hmm. How about all that stuff? Mm. It's just, it's just mm. I mean, I also don't like I didn't really like Kim. Neither of them were very good here. Like the thing that stuck out for me was like when Jamal was leaving. Right. She said something yeah. like, like she, when she kind of asks, like, oh, what did you think of Usman? She didn't ask it like that. The little, I wrote it down mm-hmm. because the thing she said is, oh, well, you haven't talked about it much. So, what are the things you like about seeing me and Usman together? Like,
0: right, that's how right. she
1: framed the question. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I feel like you're leading me somewhere, mom, and you don't want to hear what I really think. You just want me to blow smoke up your ass. Like, <laughs> that's
0: what it sounds yeah. like to me. Oh, my goodness.
1: All right. So, last up. Is finally, finally, Libby and Andre. Oh, God.
0: After many weeks of us teasing are this stupid on their family way therapy.
1: To the family therapist session.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's about freaking time.
1: <laughs> so, as they're even on their way, it's already not going great. Because Andre is just like, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the minds of all these losers. Right? <laughs> I think that bum is going to show up drunk and I'm going to show that bum what for. Right? So... Libby warns him that, you know, if he insults everyone by calling them losers and bums, that's kind of the thing that makes people stop listening and taking it to physical altercations. So they get there and Libby doesn't think the therapist is ready for this group. So Libby and Andre are the first ones there after Chuck, her their mom Pamela, and her husband Walter. So Andre is already on Chuck's good side because they're wearing exactly the same green polo shirt. Jen and Becky show up okay. next. And they're both riding solo on this one, whatever their husbands or ex I don't know I think some of them got divorced. I don't know what's going on there. But they're both there by themselves. And then Charlie the bum, according to Andre, and his wife Megan round out the session. <laughs> Charlie says that he wants to reconcile with Libby, uh, but he doesn't care about Andre at all. So the therapist starts things off by asking Pamela and Chuck what they would like to see change. So Chuck says that he would like to kind of go back to being able to at least have those big those big family events and then Libby asks if that was really ever the case since growing up half of them live with Chuck and the other half of Pamela who is already salty because Charlie because uh, Chuck referred to her as his ex-wife and she's like I have a name I'm right here I'm Pamela <laughs> So Charlie pipes up though to set Charlie then says everything was fine and so Libby married Andre he said he's been getting Libby's ear and now he's in Chuck's ear and he's turning everybody against us. So Chuck disagrees and said it's not Andre why their relationship has been has been strained. It's Charlie's disrespect. Like, for instance, all the drunk text he sent to his dad over the years calling Chuck names. Gosh. Um, so Chuck says that him and Charlie used to be the closest of all the family members. And at the barbecue there, he fought with Andre. That was like a breaking point. So it's Megan's turn to speak out of turn, and she says that Charlie had no ill will at the barbecue. It was after months of being ignored. And he just they start rehashing exactly what went down to the barbecue, and Charlie just was his was his call the cops joke aggressive? Was he drunk? Who made a threat to who first? So the therapist tells someone, not even clear who, that they're not able to contain themselves. But that doesn't really change the trajectory of this conversation right now. So Charlie asks Andre, Charlie says Andre just got a lot of hate in his heart, bro. Right, bro, because Charlie's a bro guy, <laughs> and Andre says that Charlie is just a trashy drunk. So Pamela is wondering where's the compassionate listening, and Andre's kind of already like rolling and calling everyone trashy and everything. So we come back. Andre tells us about his fair ther- his theory that the family is just using him as a convenient scapegoat to take out all their underlying problems with- on each other, and. Of course, he used a lot more cuss words when he said it. So Megan breaks the therapy rules by pointing when she's yelling at Chuck for allowing his son-in-law to attack Charlie. But after, you know, we don't had hear the end of a few sentences because everybody's getting cut off, the therapist gets frustrated and gets the speaking ball. So she gets a little like plastic ball thing and who only the person with the ball can, can do the talking.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: Jen starts with the ball and says that, you know, the common refrain is, of everybody's problem is that Libby is isolating herself from the rest of the family and the reason she's doing that is clearly because of Andre. So they all talk about how they are afraid Andre is just going to cancel everyone. Libby gets the ball next and she starts to address the things that Jen brought up. <laughs> Only for Andre too before she finishes the sentence to say, give me the ball. I want the ball. Then I throw with the ball. With the ball. <laughs> anyway, she doesn't give him the ball and she – uh she says – she us for years she had a lot of anxiety issues that she didn't know where they were coming from but they and she didn't really – wasn't really successful in dealing with them until Andre kind of got there and pointed out. But I was like, yeah, it's your family being assholes. That's why you're upset all the time. So <laughs> he says their, their relationships are fake and they're full of gossip and backstabbing and false faces. And then Pamela gets the ball and bitches that she had to find out about Libby's pregnancy um, through social media and that really hurt. And Pamela says that over the past year, Andre has been trying to freeze her, freeze Libby out, freeze her, yeah, freeze her out um, from seeing Pamela. Which is, which he pretty much is like, yeah, I told you I was doing that. That's exactly what's happening. You're garbage. <laughs> so somehow, Andre does end up at the ball and explains that a lot of his freezing out has to do with his suspicions that somebody reported him to ICE. So he just doesn't know that he could trust everybody now, especially the people that openly hate him. So Becky, though, wants to see the receipt. She wants needs proof that this immigration officer said that somebody might have made a phone call to ICE or else he's just making this up. Charlie thinks it's stupid. No one in the family cares enough about him to try to get him deported.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah.
1: So he gets very defensive and starts to claim that no one knows – nobody even knows his immigration status, which Andre thinks is ridiculous because – they all know his immigration status and they know he's here on a visa. Right. So he thinks his whole session yeah. is pointless. So I'm going to start there at the end. Uh, didn't we just have a scene with Charlie last week where they were threatening to call ICE on Andre?
0: So yeah, pretty much. And the whole call the cops isn't good yeah, either. So, uh, so seems it's seems like, a little
1: unusual that he says no one knows or cares about your immigration status. when literally last week he was like, I'm going to get this guy deported.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's like definitely deflecting. You know, and we don't care enough about you. It's like, well, if you don't care enough about him, like, why in the world are you guys this fired up about everything? Yeah,
1: it's definitely yes. It's I'm not even mad. I'm laughing actually. Like, <laughs> like no, yeah, I think you're mad right. because yeah, if you didn't care about that much about Andre and you didn't care, you would not have spent an entire session saying like this specific person is tearing our family apart, but we don't care about
0: him. Right, we, right. Nobody even cares. Yeah. Like,
1: so he's just yeah. he's just a. Charlie is just a ridiculous person.
0: Yeah. And before it was just like I kind of felt bad for his wife. But it's like, no, she's she's just just, as bad as Charlie. She's just as
1: bad. And I think the thing is they they renew it. And you can see like in their heads, even though it's on film, the entire fight Mm. went down completely differently. Like the entire fight came in oh, yeah. and it was like, you know, Rashomon style. They came in and were like, hey, everybody, what's up? And Andre just like immediately like lunged out of a chair at Charlie. Yeah. And,
0: like, like, he was just defending up? himself. Hey, you call the cops. Yeah, yeah party time. <laughs> like that's how they interpreted what they said. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah.
1: He made it sound like they were like, we're going to get turned
0: up. Let's call the
1: cops. Let's go. Like. like <laughs> <laughs> It's not what happened, Charlie. You're
0: like, no, that's not, yeah, that's not exactly what happened. Yeah, I'm glad this family therapy uh, scene finally happened. Yes. Uh, I think that this poor, I don't even know what we're going to call her, mediator, therapist, counselor, or whatever. She was just like, oh, my gosh, stop talking. Even when they had the ball, it helped but it still wasn't good. And especially Andre, let me tell put me in, put me in. <laughs> it's me my ball. turn to ball. talk. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not your it's not your turn to talk. Shut up. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'd be interested to see how the counselor kind of debriefs, because this is all like stuff we already know, right? We've already either seen it play out, heard them complain about it to one another, but it's it's like this is no new news. No, this was no one's changing anyone's mind about anything. You know, no one's it's, – it's not moving anything forward. No,
1: this was not any kind of closure or healing or anything. This is just airing the airing of the grievances.
0: Right. It's hashing out and it's like, all right, well, where do we go from here? So it's like I want this counselor to at this point step in, yes, right? Yes,
1: and be like we're going to change the rule. But, but it's hard. It is hard to keep track of a group, keep control of a group this big. Who is this obnoxious. And
0: this volatile. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it has to be like, like she can't even get them to be using like the I words. That's not, that's a pipe dream, right? (laughs) Use I sentences. And Andre's just like, you bums are all trying to get me (laughs) deported. It's like that. You can't say that's no, we're we're not, that's not what we're going to (laughs) do. Right. And then they're just like, show us the proof. Show us the proof, asshole. Like, it's like, they, they really are. They got a lot of things going on. (laughs) Like,
0: Yeah, they really, really do. All right. Uh, So we didn't see Jenny and Submit this time around. And we were told after the episode that there's going to be a four part tell all. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness.
1: I like texted. I texted you. Did I text two different people? I think I texted you and my partner back. Four part tell all.
0: Well, because it seems like they're changing the format. Yes. Right. So they have the sit down with Sean Robinson, but then they also seem to have like little mini dates with cross
1: It looks like they're also doing like the love is blind thing where they mix up the casts and say, you have a drink. Andre, have a drink with Jovi and talk. (laughs)
0: Right. And confront each other about each other's (laughs) issues. And so that's definitely what's happening. Right.
1: It's going to be. Yeah. Different, but it's still, I don't need, I really do not need eight hours of them rehashing this season again. Oh,
0: God. Like. No, no.
1: That's that's just.
0: Or starting new drama with each other, right? I mean, that's what they're probably going to have to try to do. that was always the part I yes. hate. Because that's the part I hate about tell-alls is when they start getting in each other's business and being super judgy of one another. Right? It's like, I hate that part of the tell-all. Well, that's what they're trying to set them up to do, right, is to be extra judgy to their faces. I hate that
1: part of the tell-all because the people in the show are all garbage people and they pick the wrong side of every right. fight. And you're like, like I just know right. that they're going to do a whole thing and they're going to be Kim and Usman and everybody's going to be on Usman's side being like, yeah, Kim. Why weren't you making any sacrifices? He made all the sacrifices. Did you not see that? Oh, my (laughs) God. Everybody's going to be on the wrong side every time. They're always on all the wrong sides.
0: Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, So out of the group you saw, uh, who would you say is your student of the week?
1: I guess Jovi for finally (laughs) saying okay and doing the only logical choice there was available to him. Right.
0: I went with Jovi because, I mean, he admitted that he made a mistake. He's like, well, maybe I made a mistake. I'm sorry. So, I mean, it takes a big person to admit that they're mm-hmm. wrong, even if it is staged.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, how Duns was
1: Usman. Just incredible mm-hmm. disrespect, incredible entitlement. And at some point he even said something like, oh, I, I gotta get her son away from her. He's influencing her to, 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 to stay out of this adoption. And it's like, He's influence. Yes, he's influencing her to make the correct decision because she should not adopt a four-year-old baby from from your brother, right? Like, right. And I just I, I, yeah. I don't like the idea that when people get advice from somebody else, somebody they trust, somebody they put that their partner is like they're being influenced against me. That's like borderline abusive yeah. thinking.
0: Right. Um. I actually went Andre. <laughs> speaking yeah. of, uh, because. He did not go in there with an open no, he mind. Did not. He's already calling Charlie a bum. He's already breaking the rules of engagement by trying to talk over people. He's, you know, just it's my turn to talk. He doesn't care about listening to anyone. It's like that is the wrong attitude to have. And this is the reason why these family sessions are not going to go. No, anywhere. no,
1: because you right, yeah, he that literally mindset. said before he went. I'm gonna to go to this family session because I'm gonna give these assholes one last time to hear me being right and listen to me. Right, like,
0: and I'm going to defend myself. <laughs> That's the only reason why I cares about being there. Right,
1: which is good because that bridges yeah. right to my life lesson because it wasn't just them, but I felt like Ed and Liz <laughs> did the same thing. And it's like good communication is key to any relationship, be it the relationship with your partner, in 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 at work. And with your the rest of your family, your extended family, you still have to have decent communication. And the two parts is, yes, you must express yourself clearly, but you also have to listen to what they say. You can't just be going right. off of emotion. It requires listening. And if you're not willing to listen, you're not communicating.
0: Yeah, that's actually interesting because that kind of plays into. I don't know if mine is really a life lesson, more so a life suggestion, I suppose. Uh, but it really had to do with there were multiple couples uh, this episode where it's like they said they didn't feel like they were being heard. Yes, right. And uh, I know something that has been pretty productive for my partner and I when we want to talk about something serious is we open up with an email to each other. And I know that sounds really weird, but it gives you a a space to have all your thoughts into one place and make all your points without being interrupted, right? It gives you a chance to read those thoughts and process. And then we follow up with a conversation. So like, I, I would say to develop a strategy To really make sure that the other person is hearing you in a method or way that allows you to be heard uninterrupted. Because that seems to be an issue with a lot of these couples. What
1: tends to happen in all these couples I see is like the one person starts Mm -hmm. to talk and the other person's like, I already know what you're saying. So Mm -hmm. let me nip that in the bud and like respond to it already. But they don't actually know what they're going to say. They're just assuming Mm -hmm. what they're going to say.
0: Right. Yeah, so that's a problem. So I mean, come up with a strategy. It may not be an email like us, because I know that sounds oh, I've weird. I've done. I've, but done, I've honestly, done the email. It really does I've done the
1: email discussions yeah. before. Not like full of discussions, right, but yes, right. like we can discuss this. But, Just an yeah.
0: opener, right? Yeah. Here's my point of view. Here are my points. Because it also you know, allows, it allows, allows you it the to
1: like self center and process, process
0: what the other person has to yeah, say. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. like
1: for me, it's like to let me make sure I say this precisely. And I don't use the wrong language and right. don't, like, make sure that what I want to say is actually clearly communicated and not misunderstood yeah. or, you know, go going, going with me going, um, um, and thinking of bad word choices. Right. Especially when it's emotional, mm-hmm. but it's an emotional yeah. topic, because I definitely have done it where I write right. the email really emotionally and then I come back to it later. And I'm like, oh, this is really angry. <laughs> I'm going to, like, <laughs> kind of scale <laughs> this back a little bit, <laughs> make it, make it clearer and less aggressive.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting, too, because I would say that our emails tend to be more, like, factual. Sure. Right? And so it's – I I wouldn't say we put much emotion into it. Yeah. We usually get along pretty well with, uh, you know, things like that. We've – we I think the hardest part for us was kind of uh, more so adjusting to really communicating what we really want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for and so sure. I think that that kind of strategy. I find that I find us. that because sometimes I'm scared. to Well, say. I think
1: some people do. It, some people do it with journaling. Right. They um, they mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of getting to the bottom of what you really why this really bothers you. Right. Why you have this mm-hmm. issue. What, what mm-hmm. really is the root of what's going on here? And sometimes you just need to write things out to get
0: there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So uh we may have a sub next week. Oh, <laughs> I don't think me. I don't think
1: there's an episode next Possibly. week. Possibly. On Christmas. There on isn't. Christmas. And I pretty sure I'm relatively certain that the first part of the tell all is on New Year's.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So we will be back uh after the new yes. year then.
1: So yeah. Happy New Year everybody. <laughs> so
0: until then, yeah. Uh happy That's holidays. Right.
1: All right. Okay, yeah. see everybody. Okay, there.
0: so until then we'll see y'all all in right, a couple kay. weeks.
1: Bye.
0: Okay, bye.